It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome to Hardline. This is Kevin Hardwick. We open the show, uh, like so many people, um, saddened by the death of Senator John McCain. We'll have more on that later. Uh, the, uh, the guest for my first hour, however, is Bob Confer of Confer Plastics. Uh, he, uh, um, he and I have corresponded on Facebook in the past. He's a, he's a guy who's in business. Um, but we also share something else, and that's a love of the Adirondacks, probably for different reason. I just came back from the Adirondacks. I was there this week. Bob, you were there the week before. What is it you love about that area? I love the solitude, getting away from civilization and enjoying beautiful mother nature, whether it's so, the lakes, the forests, the hills. So you're kind of like a hermit. Yes. <laughs> okay. You, you know, I noticed on one of your recent posts on Facebook, or maybe it was a tweet or something, that uh, you were you were upset that uh, appeared to be upset that people were climbing Bald Mountain. Now, I took that personally because a couple of years ago I climbed it. I mean, it's it's one of the easier climbs you have to. But but uh, all, all seriousness, uh, too many people are climbing these mountains. Yes. Yeah, so now the DEC is directing people to hike on the off trail. So that might be the Vista Trail, other trails throughout that whole area, even into the Moose Plains Wilderness area. And that's because of significant overuse. Even in the High Peaks region, they're getting to the point now that they expect 2,000 cars a day when they only have parking for 1,000 cars. You know you know your stuff, and you, you do a, a, a weekly column or a column for a, a few weeklies, correct? Yes, it would be in the Niagara Gazette, Lockport Union Sun and Journal, and the Batavia Daily News. Now, I also saw you recently uh, on, I think, Channel 2 was doing a segment with Kevin O'Neill out at your place. Uh, and it was very interesting what you do. What, is your, what does your company produce? We're doing blow molding, which is the same sort of manufacturing concept that would allow you to make a milk bottle or a Pepsi bottle, but we're doing high-tech blow molding. So we're making things such as kayak swing pool ladders, spa panels, mannequins, docks, lots of kayaks. If you took all the kayaks that we made last year, put them end for end, they would go all the way from Niagara Falls all the way down to Columbus, Ohio. So, so you're actually a businessman. Yes. And you're in it to make money. And you employ exactly. people and pay salaries and create jobs and, and sort of things that politicians like myself talk about. But you're actually out there in the in the street doing it. Yep. The ultimate goal is for us to live the American dream. So that would be for the conference, the community, the coworkers, and the customers. Now, now another interesting thing I saw in the Buffalo News yesterday, um, and, and I'm sure you released this to, to, to kind of tease this show, uh, you, you have a, have a recall of the, you talk about the swimming pool ladders. That's, that's unusual. It struck me as unusual because according to the article, you initiated this. You didn't have to be yes. dragged kicking and screaming. What was that all about? This wasn't a demand that came from the CPSE. This was us willingly do it. We had a thousand of these units out there in the marketplace. And on one day in July, we got two calls. The only calls we've ever had for this of children sticking their hands in the ventilation ports on it. So these ventilation ports are there to allow the water to circulate mm-hmm. to the pool when you got that skimmer running the pool pump yeah. running. And also stops algae from building up on the side of the step. Kids stuck their arms in there. They got them out. But there's always the risk now when you think about that. Could a child stick their arm in there and not get out if there's no adults supervising yeah. them and no one to protect them? So we decided to do a recall. It's not necessarily bringing back the products. It's issuing a repair kit, which allows them to put mesh inside the step, which blocks off those ports. So, sounds expensive. Yes, but so, it's it's worth it if we're preventing a kid from getting hurt. So it sounds like you, I mean, for lack of a better term, you're a responsible business person. Yes. And, and community member. Well, you know, I, I the reason I, I called you a couple months ago was you had a column out about the uh, bereavement law. And uh, I didn't even know that this had, had, had passed the legislature and was on the way to the governor. Um, I can well imagine that when you saw that, you just you just had to hit the ceiling. What? Uh, tell our listeners what, what that was about. 
the bereavement law would add to the current Paid Family Leave Act, which went into effect this year, it would add initially eight weeks of paid bereavement leave and increase that to 12 weeks. And in order to take that leave, all someone has to do is produce a death certificate. So this could be an individual which is a family member, which they never really love, so people would abuse it in that way. And I'm sure that a lot of people out there have had coworkers, especially uh, young men who like to abuse the system, you start to wonder, how many grandmothers does that young man have? Yeah. Now you're looking over at Joe Beamer in the uh, in the uh, control room for that, who's not paying attention, but that's okay. Um, um, now the 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 paid leave law mm-hmm. um, doesn't, at least initially or 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 directly, cost the employer anything because the money is coming out of the employee's paychecks. Yes. Yes. But I would imagine if someone takes a couple months off and you have to fill that spot, you know, it leaves a hole in your organization, especially a family-owned business like yours. What mm-hmm. what sort of problems does that create? Quite a few problems. For a company that's as large as mine right now, we've got uh, 230 to 250 people, depending on, on the year. So we've got a lot of significant cross-training, so we can cover those gaps. But as I think about smaller companies, and especially about mm-hmm. nonprofits, which have bare-bone skeleton crews, if they lose someone for two months plus... Even though they're not paying them directly. Yep. There's the indirect cost, which become a direct cost, of having to fill that gap, making sure that you have the personnel to do that. And what if the individual brought in was top-notch? Yeah. And you've got to keep the seat warm for that other individual. You can't fire them when they get back even to replace them with that good person because retribution will be significant through the Department of Labor and Division of Human Rights. What's the status of that law? Has the governor signed it? It's just uh, waiting for his signature. And I'm pretty sure that he will pass it, mm-hmm. just for the fact that when you look at how the Senate handled it, there was only one senator that voted against it, and that was Rob Ort. A former student of mine at Canisius College, of course. <laughs> but but that's amazing. The Republican-controlled state Senate, right? The Republican-controlled yes. state Senate, the last bastion of Republican power in New York State. And and hardly a word, you know, one vote against it. That's, uh, that's amazing. Is that, you know... Um, a lot of us talk about it, uh, about how difficult it is to do business in New York State, but I would imagine you experience it on a daily basis. Yes, and it's quite significant. And going back to uh, the GOP being pro-business, I don't think that's always been the case. So right now I always like to say that there's uh, great certainty, that there will be uncertainty when you have Cuomo in charge. But when you go back in time to see how this uh, impasse was created for doing business in New York State, People always thought that the uh, Senate was in its heyday when they had Joe Bruno in charge. Yeah. But for those 13 years he was in charge, state spending actually doubled. And for most of those years, he had Pataki as the governor. So that means you had the GOP in control, yet the cost of doing business skyrocketed during that period. It's skyrocketing now, but it doesn't matter what power or what party is in power, they're all going to abuse the system somewhat. Obviously, obviously, this bereavement law is just the latest in a string of pet peeves you have uh, about how difficult it is to do business in New York State. Um, we've got uh, we've got uh, about a minute or two before the uh, the break. What uh, what are some others? Some other ones that have uh, come up is the uh, call and pay rule, which is floating out there. Just I'm waiting. sorry, the what? The call and pay. The call in pay. Yes. So under this issue, it was brought up by the executive branch. So this wasn't something that was passed by Assembly or Senate. The proposal has it that you have to give people their schedules 14 days in advance. And if you change that schedule in the 72-hour period, you have to give them, if they're not going to report to work, four hours of show-up pay for each of the days within that 72-hour period. 
And if you call them in, say you suddenly need mandatory overtime, or someone called in sick and you've got to bring in an individual, you've got to pay them two hours of show-up pay. Who does that apply to? All businesses? All businesses. Would, would, would that include Entercom Buffalo? Joe Beamer, are you listening to this? Joe. I am listening to this well, guy. Well, yes. I mean, I mean, call in pay. I mean, Joe is, uh, Joe, you get asked on a moment's notice to, uh, come in and fill in for Sandy Beach or whomever. Well, not, I'm already here, but yeah. yes, to, to okay. fill in. Okay. All yes, right. Yes. All right. And I was trying, I to, I was trying to get Joe some money here. Yeah, he's going to be rolling Tim, Tim in. Tim Wenger is listening uh, out on one of his morning runs, and he's going crazy saying, stop it. We don't, you know, because this is now the Joe Beamer Radio Network, right? Is that how we're rebranding ourselves? On Wednesday, someone did put W Beamer E N. W Beamer. Okay. <laughs> so how does, how does, you know, how has that affected you as a, as a family businessman? In terms of manufacturing at the factory, it won't because we have a linear schedule where everyone pretty mm-hmm. much knows when they're going to work. But for a distribution center that we run for our customer, we have anywhere from uh, 15 to 20 fellas in there. And when they're moving those kayaks, mm-hmm. their schedule is determined only within days based upon the needs of the big box stores to ship the kayaks to them. So because of that, our customer is going to be looking at a significant increase somewhere between 16 to 22% for their cost of labor in that distribution center for the year. Okay, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Bob Confer of Confer Plastics, a family-owned business. They make a lot of uh, uh, plastic uh, uh, kayaks and uh, swimming pool steps and things like that. Um, but he's a he's a private family businessman. He's got a, got a lot of horror stories to tell about how it is in New York State. I mean, politicians talk about it on election time about the business climate, and how difficult it is to do business. Bob experiences it every day. If you if you have a question or a comment, you are a business men yourself and you want to share your own horror stories this is the hour to do it give us a call at 8030930 uh we'll be here on the Joe Beamer radio network uh in the meantime I'm Kevin Hardwick you're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN The case we're back right Joe Beamer Yes. Yes, yes, we are back. We are back. Sorry, just talking to my guest, Bob Confer, during the break, got carried away. Kevin Hardwick here. Hardline, uh, Bob Confer, Confer Plastics. Um, hey, you've got an upcoming column. You kind of teased it on social media about mm-hmm. uh, about Medicaid and comparing it to the health insurance you have for your employees. Now, now I, I take it your employees have good health insurance, obviously. Yep. You provide it for them. You have 200-some employees. We have an excellent plan. We cover about 70% of the cost. And what we have is a high deductible plan, but the company pays the high deductible mm-hmm. because I don't want people to go bankrupt. So that's our means of uh, saving costs and saving them from real trouble and maintaining uh, our, a little bit of an edge where we didn't see a growth this now, year in premiums. Now, yeah, I, I mean, I take it it's experience-based, right? If you yes. have some employees who have some really high medical bills, it's going to come back and bite you the following year. Yep, and there's been this significant pressure from HMOs for years for us to develop certain programs. One would be somebody has to select a primary care physician. Then we have to educate mm-hmm. them dramatically on choosing venues where you always want people to steer away from ERs and have a primary care so they can utilize them for just non-emergency injuries, or they could use urgent care facilities because the number they always throw around, it costs 10 times more to get cared for in an ER than it does in Mm -hmm. urgent care. So that adds into that bill significantly. Then there's also wellness programs that you try to enforce and also cessation programs and also the smart shopping for pharmaceuticals. 
So my column for this week coming up in the local papers would be about bringing that same sort of accountability to those who receive Medicaid because the system that we have here in New York State is incredibly broken when it comes to Medicaid. We've got something like uh, 6.5 million people on the Medicaid rolls, but our cost is second highest in the nation Mm -hmm. at $62 billion. California comes in at $80 billion, but their population is double ours. So think of how much money we're throwing away, and I think it comes down to that lack of accountability. So if we could take those same things and enforce those on Medicaid to have a primary care, and in the best way you could do that, granted, you don't have co-pays or anything like that, mm-hmm. but if you incorporated a, a fine or a penalty, or you encourage the state, whether they do it or they utilize some nonprofit agency like a hospital to do managed care, where you have a case manager working with families to choose the best care options for them. And then there's also the aspects of maybe incorporating wellness programs into Medicaid or cessation programs. The rate of smoking for those who receive Medicaid is twice that of the general population. Now you look at everything that comes from that, whether it's lung cancer, COPD, those are the costs that show up in that insurance that all the New Yorkers are paying for. And I always tell people, if you don't think that you're paying for Medicaid, go to your property tax bill. When you look at the county portion of that property tax bill, depending on what county you live in, you're paying anywhere from 54% to 64% of that county tax bill towards Medicaid. And then there's always the Medicaid penny that shows mm-hmm. up within the sales tax. The sales tax. Plus, yeah. plus it's, you know, it's a federal. Obviously, half of it is covered by your federal taxes yep. and another quarter, actually more than quarter, covered by uh, the state government. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a lot of money. Let me back on health care. Were, were you, was your business impacted uh, significantly by Obamacare? Yes, there were uh, significant increases throughout the years. I would say typically leading up to that, we were looking at 4% annually. That caused it to go up to about an increase of 65 to 8% annually. And then there's also uh, rules that are out there where they say that you cannot discriminate in your workplace. So mm-hmm. you're not really discriminating when you want to reward the best employees or find the best employees and give them fully paid for insurance or you give them a different insurance plan. Now, under Obamacare, you can't do that because you're discriminating versus so the general workplace. all of your employees have the same health care plan. Yes. Before that, did some have a better health care plan than others? Yes, there were a few. So that way we could reward them accordingly. But now you can't do that anymore. But before before Obamacare, you were still providing health care to all your employees. Yes. So um, what uh, – um, you know, in terms, of, in terms of your proposal for Medicaid, why isn't that being done? I mean, it, 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 would, it would make sense. I mean, have there been bills in the state legislature that have just languished? Has someone taken this up? No, but other states have focused on it. Kentucky is big on it. I believe Colorado is too. And Kentucky is moving on it because they did a study that found that of the visits to ERs within their state borders just a few years ago, almost half were Medicaid-driven. And then they found that the greatest portion of those were not emergencies. And those who did go, chose it only out of convenience, not necessarily because it was the best option, but because it was convenient, because that's how they could secure a doctor, secure a specialist, and do all that stuff. So they weren't venue shopping like others would have to. Talking this morning to Bob Confer of Confer Plastics. Bob, when you do these weekly columns, where do you where do you get your ideas? Obviously, we've talked about the bereavement law, now you're talking about Medicaid. Is it just from your experience as a, as a businessman in New York State and your frustration? Yep, there's are, that. Are, are these columns therapeutic? They are. And I also use them as a tool to educate, enrage, and hopefully engage. How's that going? 
That's I mean, do people come up to you in the store and say, yeah, I read your column by God, they I do. didn't know that? I'm surprised. Have you they... impacted any public officials? Have any public officials said, I oh, yeah, saw your column and I'm, I'm going to introduce a bill? They do. I have those conversations and then people do recognize me from the mugshot. But going back to two federal issues that my column had an impact on, and these are what I consider my biggest victories to date, and I've been writing this column for 13 years. There was one proposal during the Obama administration that wanted to mandate CDLs for everyone who was operating farm equipment. So it didn't matter if it was tractors, trucks. So that would have been a significant hurdle, significant obstacle, addition to cost, which would have been passed off to consumers on higher food prices. So I brought that to the attention of the masses. I ended up on radio stations in uh, Idaho and in Fargo and places like that, and we actually fought that and destroyed it. But the even bigger one was an issue that had occurred where the Obama administration wanted to mandate that children... All minors could not do farm work unless they were the sons and daughters of farm owners. Mm -hmm. And even then, they couldn't use equipment and they couldn't do animal husbandry. So doing all of that would have destroyed 4-H, would have destroyed FFA, and it would have destroyed farming because I look at farming as being something that's... Let's pick up on that after the break. Alan Harris is standing by with the the bottom of the hour news headlines. Talking to Bob Confer today, we'd invite your calls, 803-0930-803-0930. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline on WBEN on the Joe Beamer Radio Network. Uh, Kevin Hardwick sitting here with Bob Confer of Confer Plastics. uh, Bob, let's uh, let's take a few phone calls. If you want to, uh, if, if if you're a business person and you have a horror story, uh, you would like to share with us. I'm sure Bob uh, Bob has a sympathetic ear, being a business person himself. Uh, Con for plastics, uh, or if you have a, if you're not a business person and you have a comment or a question for Bob, uh, now is the time to do it. Eight zero three zero nine thirty. He'll be here for the rest of the hour. Let's go first to Bob in Buffalo. Bob, welcome to the program. Thank you for holding. Thank you. A couple of uh, quick comments, three of them. Uh, as a uh, floor refinisher, we're scheduled uh, to do Pacific work at a Pacific time. I do get people that will cancel a job 19 hours before we're supposed to show there. In other words, 3 o'clock the, that afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, we get a telephone call. It's canceled, and we're supposed to start work at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we do end up... Uh, well, if we don't have a lot of work, we end up on unemployment. Uh, and sometimes you'll go to a job and they'll add work. Uh, you know, throw a staircase in, you're only supposed to be doing a room or two, and, and you end up with a whole lot more work. I hope they really thought this out. Uh, but the root canal and Medicaid, uh, when you talk about Medicaid, if you have a bad tooth that needs your root canal, they don't pay for it. Uh, you lose the tooth. They'll pay for the yanking, but they won't pay to fix the tooth. So. Uh, I'm sure uh, that can be addressed because I have talked with some of the uh, uh, New York State Assembly people, but I keep getting the runaround. Some of it is federal money, some of it is state money, but you know what? If you got teeth that need to be addressed, uh, uh, better to fix them so you get proper nutrition than it is to yank them and then uh, you're not eating the proper foods. And then on the bereavement law, uh, I just say this. If somebody is hurting because they lost a family member, I have no problem with them taking off time and since people go camping and uh, there are stargazers like myself, I just want to say, uh, you know, it was just eight years ago I used to look at a ruptured star, one that was supposed to end all life on this planet. We're all part of the walking dead. Enjoy life. Camping. Welcome <laughs> while you still can because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And, uh, Kevin, that was a binary star. I know they have a uh, science department uh, where you're at, and that was considered to be a Class A supernova 
and uh, quite frankly, right. we're all supposed to. All right. Hey, Bob, thank you for, for weighing in. Um, you know, Bob mentions bereavement. I mean, certainly if someone is, uh, you, you know, impacted, you want to give them the time off. That's why everybody has a policy anyway. I can remember when my father died. I mean, obviously that was a tra- traumatic uh, event. Uh, different people deal with it in different ways. I was, uh, next day I was back in my classroom. I found it therapeutic. Yep. I mean, uh, you know, two or three months. The only, the only, you know, it's tough to imagine needing two or three months, except if it were something like sudden, uh, a, a young child who was, you know, there was a terrible accident or a crime or, you know, someone was murdered in your family. I could understand that taking longer. Uh, but, you know, you're trying to, you, you know, to have a blank. And my guess is, uh, knowing you as I, as I do, Bob, if someone in your organization needed more time, you would probably try to be as accommodating as possible. Yeah, but to give it, to, but to but to make this an entitlement, um, is uh, is is probably government overstepping its boundaries here. Yeah, most employers are going to be accommodating. When they did a study through the Society of Human Resource Managers, they found that ninety percent of the companies had bereavement leave policies to begin with, anywhere from three to five days. But all of those companies also extended the use of vacation time and personal mm-hmm. time. So as I'm looking at it now. Someone that's been with my company for a while, they get up to five weeks of vacation. Plus, we have also have eight to ten days of holiday pay in there and the bereavement pay and all mm-hmm. this other good stuff. So already I'm paying someone seven to eight weeks not to be there, and now you're asking me to throw 12 weeks on top of that? Yeah, now New York State is saying to you, well, whether you like it or not, they get 12 weeks if they want it. Yes. But, again, you're not paying for it. They're, it's coming out of their paycheck and this whole bereavement policy. But it's leaving a hole in your organization for up to three months, which, you know, you're in business. You've got to fill. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's continue with the phones, 803-0930, if you want to get in on this conversation with Bob Confer of Confer Plastics. Again, an actual real-life businessman in New York State uh, struggling to uh, to keep his family business uh, profitable and having to deal with New York State. Okay, let's uh, let's go to Gary in Boston. Gary, welcome to the program. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. Instead of the uh, state getting better, it's getting worse. Uh, too bad, you know. It's mm. a great state. Everybody loves living there. But, uh, you know, they can't seem to find the right groove and the right people to change it, and naturally New York City, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Of the Trump administration, I know they can probably only do federal changes. Are they doing anything to uh, relieve the uh, situation in our state, and do they have any uh, jurisdiction? You, you know, that's a that's a great question, Gary. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you loose and uh, and talk to Bob about that uh, on the air. Thank you for that question. Uh, you know, there was there was much talk that when Trump came into office, there was a lot of deregulation, and and you've seen it in a lot of areas, mm-hmm. and some of those are controversial. And as as someone yourself who loves the environment, I I would imagine some of his uh, uh, the rollbacks in the EPA may present some problems for you. Yes. But in terms of businesses, there were significant changes, and that was one of the reasons the stock market skyrocketed after after his election, was it not? Have any of those changes in federal uh, regulations impacted you and your business? The uh, change to the corporate tax rate is going to be a, a godsend for us. Mm-hmm. When we look at the uh, impact that it has on us, if we're having a year as profitable as the past few years, we're going to be saving a few hundred thousand dollars every single year that we can put back into the company, whether it's paying off the uh, line of credit that allowed us to buy the biggest blown building machine mm-hmm. in North America or do any other sorts of investments, whether it's in personnel for training, whether it's bonuses, whether it's uh, anything related to trying to beat New York State and survive 
in spite of and despite New York State. Very good. Let's uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to an old friend, John in Rochester. John, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Ken. Well, 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 listen before before you ask your question, let me ask my question. Where the heck were you last week? You didn't call in. We were about to do a well check on you. I was in Connecticut playing golf. Oh, okay. Well, that explains it. Well, you're excused. So anyway, you have a you have a question for for Bob. Yeah, at the TPC course, it was quite. Quite a, quite a privilege. I took a 13 on a hole, too. It took me... Some- all right, all right. Stop bragging. Ask your question for Bob. But, Bob, uh, number one, where, where's your column? You've been... It's in the uh, Lockport paper in Niagara Falls and also the Batavia Daily News. Okay, great, great. And you could probably get them online. Yeah, you could go to uh, bobconfer.com. I've got all my columns there, including my nature columns. Now, now you're... Uh, the ber- now this bereavement thing—I haven't heard about this. Before. Oh, oh, oh! It's been—it's been out there. Of course, I picked up on it first when, uh, from uh, from one of Bob's columns. But but yes, it, it's a done deal. No, it's just waiting for his signature. But he had so many bills uh, waiting to sign. I'm—I would say I'm ninety percent confident he's going to sign it into passage. In the on-call legislation, where, where does that stand right now? Is that pending? That's pending, and it's been pending for an awful long time. Originally, they had a public comment period that ended in late November. Then they decided to have a second one, which ended in late January. But going back to that New York State Department of Labor page every single day to check it out, it's still waiting out there. So I don't know if they're waiting for an election to happen. But uh, you had mentioned golfing, and golfing has a what I would consider nonlinear schedule, unlike my company, and they're dependent solely on the weather. So as they have to keep people home, whether it's grounds crew or the restaurant crew or anyone else that might be there for help, because of rainstorms, thunderstorms, things like that, you're going to see an increase in green fees if this thing passes. Well, the, and you were talking about, I know the paid leave has gone, to, gone into effect. Now, uh, the thing that people don't realize is, well, number one, that you, in a small company like mine, I've got about 12 or 13 people, i got some key employees, and it would be, it would be really a burden in a couple of cases. And, but the other thing, too, is even though the employees t- uh, tip will pay for this program, supposedly, you know what's going to happen. They're going to have cost overruns over a period of time, and it'll be uh, another tax to probably put on uh, the company owner. Well, well yeah, that, that could well happen. But the big problem is, at least initially, is especially for a company like yours, uh, you, you know, you've got a hole in your organization for up to three months, and you got to somehow fill that, and that's going to create headaches, even though you're not ostensibly paying for it directly. Uh, John, we, we got to go to break. It's good to hear that uh, that you did well in golf, and it's good to hear that uh, that you're still around, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. That was uh, John in uh, Rochester. Uh, we're going to go to break soon, but uh, if you want to get in with Bob Confer in our final segment, uh, he's here till the top of the hour, give us a call, 803-0930, I'm sorry, 803-0930. Whoa. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to WBN's Hardline uh, on uh, on the Joe Beamer Radio Network. And Billy Joel brings us back to Hardline. I'm Kevin Hardwick sitting here with Bob Confer of Confer Plastics. Bob, we'll go back to the phones in a minute. But before we do, we were talking a couple of breaks ago about uh, some of the changes that uh, that Governor Cuomo has, has, has brought about. And one of them you highlighted, which I think uh, our listeners might be interested in, and that, that is the requirement that you do uh, 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 sexual harassment training for all your employees now. Specific, the state-mandated yep. ha- harassment. Uh, that's different from the policy you've had for yeah, years. We- 
years? We've had one for uh, 30 years now, but now Cuomo is mandating that uh, even though 90% of employers do this, mandating yeah. that you have a set policy which meets state standards and you have interactive training, which means that you have to train these individuals in person every single year. And they came out with their training module last week that they would like employers to use. It's 24 pages long. So as I look at that, I realize that for me to do 10 to 12 people at a time in a classroom setting, I'm going to lose a whole business week now training people on sexual harassment when I had already been doing that at the point of hire and issuing reminders. But now we have to do this as a point of law. And this goes into effect October 9th, and this was hidden within the state budget. If you went to page 83 of the state budget that was passed, there it was, just hanging out. It's it's just another chapter, at least for you, in how it is very difficult to do business in this state. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Edwina in Newfane. Edwina, thank you for holding. Welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Bob. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? It's been a long time. Pretty well. But I want. I just want to. I can't give you enough compliments on the way you're handling your business. I've talked to a number of your employees, and you're so fair with them. And also with your recall that you've just had, and how concerned you are with the public. You are a champion among business owners. Let me tell you, as far as my opinion is. And you're a champion among political activists. Oh, thank you, Bob. But you know, you bring up. So many good points. Uh, I don't know how the businesses practically stay in business in New York State, other than government contracts, etc. But, you know, it's no wonder that the Tax Foundation uh, named this as one of the last for the business climate being New York State because of the political culture of high taxes, labor cuddling, regulation. I mean, it has resulted in high unemployment in state in New York. You know... (laughs) And it's the least free because of the taxes and over-regulation. And, you know, the Tax Foundation, year after year after year, us residents keep hearing about how the state is going downhill. But what do you expect from a governor that said America was never great? Not people like him in office. It won't be great, let me tell you. But, Bob, I want to compliment you, and I'm just so sorry that you are not running in my legislative district in the 27th for Congress. Yeah, sorry about that. You uh, you want to make an announcement today? No. Okay, all right. (laughs) Edwina, thank you for the phone call and thank you for listening. Uh, We go from Edwina, we go to Tony and Clarence. Tony, welcome to the program. Thank you for holding. Yes, Bob uh, Bob has wisdom uh, and his statements are wise. But there's a problem when it comes to Medicaid, and it's this. The, the, the providers or primary physicians, how are they going to accept Medicaid patients when their reimbursement rates are so low? And secondly, there's a lack of doctors. When an old doctor dies, he's not automatically replaced by a younger willing to be a primary physician. Most of the doctors that study at UB or other schools that I come in contact with, they go into specialized uh, parts of medicine. Well, Tony, that's where the money is, right? Yeah, exactly. So Medicaid isn't going to change when when you have reimbursements that are very low. Doctors don't have to accept Medicaid patients. They're not under any obligation to accept a Medicaid patient. So, Bob, your, your thoughts on Medicaid are well 
founded. But at this point, you gotta, you have to give me credit for saying mm. that you had a problem just providing enough doctors to service the Medicaid patients. And, yeah, that comes down to what I consider uh, somewhat of an education system that steers away from STEM. So medical science would be a part of that STEM factor. And you look at especially areas where... Uh, Kevin and I vacation the Adirondacks. They have a severe mm-hmm. doctor shortage. They don't even have medical clinics in Old Forge. They've closed that. They've closed one up near Lake Placid. People have to go to Utica to get care, and that's because we've created a disincentive to pursue STEM classes in schools. You, you, you know, you bring up Old Forge. Uh, my wife wants to retire there. She wants to go there, and she wants to live there. And I said, I'd love to live there, but but that would be my one concern. What happens if something happens? I mean, every time we go up there, I said, well, what happens if the kid gets hurt or whatever? Where do we go? Uh, yeah, you have to drive all the way out to Utica. You have to go to Boonville. Yeah. And I saw an issue in uh, Adirondack Explorer a couple of years ago where they had a system that's kind of like Mercy Flight. It's a, d- a different name company where they were charging people $10,000 to move them from point A to point B, and the article actually just did, suggested that you stay in pain and have someone drive you to a hospital rather than relying on that because you'll go bankrupt. Well, if you're if you're just tuning in, uh, we're, we're, this is not uh, Adirondacks today, although it, it could be. That would be an interesting show. Uh, this is Hardline. We're talking to Bob Confer of Confer Plastics. Uh, we only have a, a, a few minutes left. Uh, we, we talked about... Uh, uh, Things changes under Governor Cuomo. We uh, explored a little bit the sexual harassment uh, uh, policy changes. Uh, there have been some other changes. Uh, anything for the better under the Cuomo administration? Are you you're on, on your laundry list there? Are you ticking off things that make it tougher for you to do business in New York State? There hasn't been anything where I would consider him to do improvement. Some would say bringing in new businesses might be, but the way I look at that, that's an umbrella. Everyone, how, how do you feel about uh, uh, tax abatements and, and incentives for, for new businesses? Tax abatements, I don't mind for uh, certain companies because probably that property which is vacant to begin with. So you've had a say, lower tax Say Geico. Rate. No. Geico? Because... Geico? Come on. The old way of looking at it through an IDA was it was industrial development agency. So you're yeah. focused on industry because they had to compete across state right. borders and they create wealth. But a service sector doesn't necessarily create wealth. So every but, dollar spent in manufacturing creates more than 43 elsewhere. Yeah, but, uh, but I mean, you have a company like Geico. They have that big uh, uh, service center in the town of Amherst. Hundreds and hundreds of employees. They're always, my son works there. Um, they could be anywhere in the world. They could be in India, but they're here. Right, but if you I mean start, that's not a don't that's not Paula's donut shop that no know, that got a you know got a deal. I mean that was ridiculous. My fear is if you start giving out grants to people as they did there and as they did with uh, Elon Musk company, mm-hmm. you're giving corporate welfare to individuals when most people who run a business would say don't issue social welfare. So we need to turn the table and say you know what we can't do corporate welfare. We need to make the state attractive so people want to come here without inducements and grants, and they want to come here because it's an environment that's ripe for success. Boy, we've got a uh, we've got a topic for another show. We're going to have to have you back because we're going to go toe to toe on that one. Um, despite our love of the Adirondacks, I think we may may differ a little bit there. Listen, uh, Edwina wanted you to be her congressman. Have you ever thought about running for town councilman or something like that? See, I would do it at the town level. I've often thought about running for town justice, but I wouldn't want to run at the state or federal level. Just because I want to focus on family, focus on the company, focus on my community. And also it's been uh, the situation that state and federal offices have been changed so much that someone can't do that part-time anymore. 
Sure, and you're you're doing a great job, and that wouldn't leave you time for Old Forge and the yes. Inlet and the Adirondacks. Anyway, I want to thank Bob Confer of Confer Plastics, my first uh, hour guest. We'll be back with another great hour. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN.